Hello, we are here uh, today with a very special guest, Dr. Guy Sims, author and educator. And we were going to talk to him about literacy and um, comic books or in graphic novels. So thank you for being here today. Um, Dr. My pleasure, Dr. Tiffany, my pleasure. Thank you. So normally when I start, I like to start at the very beginning and talk about like your reading journey. What um, are your experiences with reading growing up? What do you remember um, fondly and maybe like was tough to get through? So what were some of your like reading experiences? Well, you know, the most impactful reading moment for me um, came probably around the sixth or seventh grade. Uh, I, I love to write for as long as I remember. Poetry, short stories. And one day my father said to me, I was just maybe in the living room, and he said, um, if you really want to be a writer, you got to study the grades. So I'm like, okay. My father was a college professor and a college administrator as well. Um, and he, he brought home a, uh, an album of Black Boy by Richard Wright. And it was, it was narrated by Brock Peters. So I put it on the record, record player. And I tell you, I was just mesmerized. I was mesmerized from the opening. If you, if you guys ever read Black Boy, it starts out with him burning down his house by playing with matches and he lights the curtains and they catch on fire. And so his house catches on fire. And just the, 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 the narrator reading it, I'm sitting there, you know, it's not, it's not TV or anything. I'm just imagining all of this. And from that record, I said, man, that's who I want to be. That's who I want to write like. And then I just, one book after the other, my dad would just pick them up from the, the college library and, and, and bring them home. Or I ran up to my local, local branch in, uh, in Philly. But I was just eating him up. And then my dad said, well, if you like him, then you'll like James Baldwin, if you like James Baldwin, you'll like Claude McKay, if you like Claude, you know, and he just kept giving me all these different people. And I'll say, you know, I just, you know, some, some I really attached to others, you know, you know, I'm like, okay, that, that was cool, but it's not Richard Wright. But I, I constantly expanded my, uh, my, uh, my palette for uh, writing, but it all started with um, Richard Wright. And, and, and Black Boy. And I think the second book was um, Native Son. And then they just, just, just spilled over that way. I appreciate that he started you with like an auditory story because it's, you know what I mean? It, it, and that's powerful too, in the sense that some kids, you hand them a book and, you know, they don't, you know, they won't get the gist of it or might have a fear of just seeing the book, but to just be able to have that the auditory story and just being able to get engaged from that, that led to you just like going from there, like, yeah, I'll take it, bring it. So that's, that's kind of awesome. Right, right. Um, what were your library experiences like going from like K through 12? Oh well, at our elementary school, we had the library. Um, and then I, we had our local library. Like I said, I grew up in Philadelphia and they, in the, the library system here, there's branches all over the city. And so that was just a cool, you know, my local branch, they were, uh, had a playground across the street 
where we all hung out. They had the Acme Market where you go and grab some snacks. And the library was a nice cool out place or that's where you start with your homework. But you, you could bounce around those three corners and really not go anywhere. And you could be where your parents can, you know, my parents could find me really in one of the two places unless I was in the, in the Acme. But um, I spent a lot of time there because I did a lot of writing um, uh, and just a lot of exploring um, of just different genres. You know, I, I went through periods of, of uh, it was just this particular genre. And I said, I just like to read a lot of stuff. I mean, and they're always crazy genres, the um, mystery genres. And then next thing you know, I'm reading sci-fi. Next thing you know, I'm reading um, Man versus Nature. Then I'm reading, you know, end of the world type stuff. Then I'm reading real life stuff or autobiographies. You know, if, I think when I get get onto a subject, I might read about five or six of those books. So I, I feel like I'm, I'm tapped out. But primarily, it was just a way to build my, once again, it goes back to my dad, you know, building a vocabulary. And he says, if, if you see somebody's style, he said, you can write anything. So if you read something, you can say, I can write that and write it in my own style. But it really was about learning other people's styles and learning other people's experiences. And then how can I tie my experience to just do, do something? You know what I mean? That's, so I was always in the library. Then of course, you know, high school, you know, it, it was a hangout for homework, but you know, yeah, we, we had, we, you know, I've had my favorite books and my favorite writers, those kind of things. How did you become comfortable with writing and work through the process of, you know, like having a routine and feeling, you know, kind of comfortable and grounded in what you were doing. What was that process like for you? Well, I'll say it starts, once again, it started at home. Uh, my parents, my mother was a school teacher uh, uh, as well, elementary school teacher. And she would bring home those big sheets of, Kind of like which paper, you know, you could just pull it off and stick it up on the wall. And she would have, um, call it a job board for the weekend. And so it was the chore board. It was all the chores that we had to do starting Wednesday, and they all had to be done by Sunday. I had three brothers. And so we all got a chance to go up, I'll do this. I'll do picking our turns, picking our chores. And they were all gone. And then you had until Sunday to have it done. And but once you did that, your time was on your the time was yours. And so, but my dad would then come back around, and then if he saw you sitting around, he would say, Oh, okay, what are you doing? If you said nothing, well, good, I need you to do this and do that. So to, to avoid extra chores, if you said, if I said, Dad, you know, I'm working on a story, he'd leave me alone. He'd leave me alone. Uh, my youngest brother is an artist, uh, my other brother was in film, my other brother. He was science and music. So as long as you were doing your own thing, you could be left alone to do your own thing. And really, I just got into the habit of, you know, this is my time to do it. And then I'm gonna go out, hang out with my friends in the street or go to a party or, or whatnot. And then as I felt more confident in my, in my writings and things like that, or what I really wanna, wanna read, um, this is just the time. Because you could sit there and say, Dad, I'm reading. And he'd leave you alone. He'd let you, you know, mm -hmm. do your thing. Or when you're done, 
then it comes to you. And so you just try to extend, you know, well, I'm reading this whole book, I'm reading roots, all 600 pages, you know. But, you know, it didn't always, it didn't always work, but it was a good try. So, so then, I, then I started developing the discipline of I'm going to take some time to record once again. The last stuff does come back to my dad. He said, you suck up so much time watching TV and someone is feeding you but how, how to see things. When, you, when you're reading, you, you have to create that for yourself. You know, even, even with a graphic novel, you know, the pictures are there, but they're, they're, they're not like film when you're seeing everything. There's still gaps. And I think it from here to here. So you know, pick those things out. You know, if it's black and white, you add in the color. If it's, if it's the artist surrealistic, you know, your mind has to put things together. So, um, so, the, and so that's what, that's what I was doing. You, you start training yourself. And I still do that to the day. Uh, you know, when I, on the weekend, like in the evening when I get home, certain things I do, and then boom, I want to sit down and read this. You know, I try not to watch a lot of TV. Um, you know, I miss, you know, it's not that I miss so much because people say, hey, have you seen this show? You know, no, I haven't. And I'm not missing it. You know, I have my favorites, but for the most part, you know, I'm really wanting to read this because I want to work on this over here. So you had like a, a culture of reading. I like that there was that communication about books and how to think about what you were reading. I think yeah. that's something that's very powerful too. It is. Uh, it um, is. Having that around. Uh, and I, I'm assuming that chores didn't get done till last minute Sunday, is what you're saying. <laughs> no, actually, as, as, I, as I got into my teenage years, because I knew I wanted to go to parties and whatnot, or you know, hang out with my friends, because we started on Wednesday, my goal was to have them done by Thursday evening. Okay. <laughs> so when Friday came along, I'm free. Now, my older brother, um, you know, he didn't go out a lot because he was into uh, uh, computers. And this is in the 70s, building computers. So yeah, he let his trail off till Sunday because he was in the house. I knew where I wanted to be. So, you know, and once again, that becomes prioritizing what's important, you know, yep. what's important. Yep, that's awesome. So how did growing up in Philly um, influence your identity now that you're looking back as a young man? And how did that experience shape who you who you wanted to be as you were growing up and it's like I, I want to move in this direction. Well, you know, Philly is a very artistic, uh, artistic town. Um, and I think once again, here it comes. You're gonna say he always brings up his dad. My dad brought a lot of people over to the house. Uh, the poet Sonia Sanchez, I remember her coming to the house. Um, um, other guests who might have come to the college. Hey, you're coming to the Sims house for, for, for dinner, or other college professors will come and visit us on the weekend, and, and you can hear them just talking, you know, talking nonsense as just, you know, older men or, you know, older, older men and women. And then someone throws that, have you read this? Have you? So to hear them challenge each other, but have you read this? Have you read that? That it was part of, hmm. You got to be prepared to engage 
with, with whomever, because someone might say, have you read it? And if you haven't read it, you could say, no, but I read this, you know, whatever, whatever the conversation is. But um, like I said, growing up in Philly, very artsy. Um, a, a, lot of art, a, lot of, a lot of writers have come through there and you hear about them and you just want to be a part of it. Um, but I think, it, I think my reflection on Philadelphia came when I really, when I went away to college, which was not far, an hour away, Lincoln University, but to now be around people from other parts of the country and really think that, okay, now they're telling me about, you know, being in New York or DC or from Kansas City. Now I know why Philadelphia is special. Now I know, now when I think about the experiences that I had, they have even more meaning. And now I really do want to capture those experiences on paper. Or, you know, when I read articles about Philadelphia, I'm like, yeah, that's right. I can, I can tie into it. And so, I, and I, you know, just being here in the city, taking the subway, taking the, the bus and train, you know, meeting all these personalities that that's just become the, the palette for, for my writings and things like that. So you go to an HBCU, how does that affect you, you know? Oh yeah, just culturally. Well, first of all, I wasn't sure that I was going to go to school. You know, probably like a lot of kids, I'm, like, I'm not sure what I want to do. But then my dad said, maybe you should go there first and then transfer if you want. But once I got there, just to be around other young men and women that look like me, even still, they had all these other different experiences that I just thought were, were cool. I think I, I was telling them, I said, the group of people that fascinated me the most were the guys and girls from Baltimore because I, I didn't know anything about Baltimore. Uh, I knew about DC because my brother went to Howard. But you know, from Philly, you just drive, you, you drive through it. Well, you drove, you drove around it. And they had their own particular style and, and, and their own culture that they brought. But just like, you know, the guys from the Bronx and, and, and all like that, folks from Boston, folks from uh, Hartford, Connecticut, you know, it was a good, a good experience of, we're similar, but there's so much difference and, and we're all kind of moving in the same direction. And there's a, there's a place for everybody to do their thing. So here comes Guy Sims. I like to write, I like to write poetry. Now there's a venue of people that they want to hear it. There's talent shows, there's, uh, I never, I, you know, I never realized this. I went back for, uh, I think, a homecoming or something because my kids went to Lincoln too. And I was looking at earbuds and I did, and never realized that I had a poem in yearbooks from my freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, and senior year. I said, when did I submit a poem for, for, for the yearbook? I forgot totally about it. I'm like, wow, I'm in this, you know? So it, it, there's a place for that, you know? And I, I, I just, and I remember performing poems and, and just feeling like what I have to say, people get it. You know, I don't have to, I don't have to explain it or I don't have to spend a lot of time explaining it. So it, it was, it was, and then plus my, my faculty, it was, it was a good overall experience. That's awesome. So did you ever feel that your father, um, 
being so learned and having all these like noted people around him. Did you ever feel the pressure of that? Like, oh. yeah, definitely, yes. In fact, I probably like a lot of kids, I said, you know, my father is the original Dr. Sims in the family, you know, the first one to go to college. You know, whatever degrees he had, he's the first one. Okay. And, I, and, and I, like I tell my kids, I said, not just when you say first in the family, we're talking whoever's related to us behind us, he's the first. Okay. So that was, you know, he did a lot of writing, a lot, you know, he was a, he was a sociology professor um, um, and a college administrator, like I said. And I, I think I fought so hard not to be like him that I turned out exactly like him. Because, <laughs> you know, I ended up in uh, sociology, human services. Um, I ended, ended up in higher ed like him. Um, you know, he, he's written his books. I wrote mine. Um, so it's just, it's, it's so funny. And now, well, he, he's, he, he passed back in 94, but there was a point we were both working at the same college. <laughs> so all the things I, I felt like I had to fight against in, in high school, they all started coming into place. And, and it wasn't even like he said, hey, you should do this. You know, it was, it, it was, you know, it was biology, I guess. <laughs> but, like, but now my other brothers are, are different. My oldest brother, he's passed away, but he was an engineer. Um, uh, the brother below me is, uh, what do they call it? The, I don't know what the field is called now, but it used to be commercial art. And then the youngest is a professional artist, you know. So I always say, of all the brothers, I'm the ones that turned out most like that. But, you know, when I think about it, they're all just like them in, 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 in attitude and in how they sometimes look at the world. You had a significant yeah. role model there. Yeah. I also yeah. appreciated what I read, too, about your mom bringing comic books into the classroom. Like everybody's acting like it's a new phenomenon now to, you know, ensure you do this, but she was already doing that as a form of engagement, you know? Yeah, you know, you know back in the seventies um, when she was, you know, when she was teaching, she would do those things. But I remember when I was in high school and man, I just told this story this, this just a couple of days ago. And in, in my high school, the teachers said, you know, book reports, I don't care what you read. It's all about reading. And someone said, so can I bring in some comics? Teachers said, yes, because they're, they're, they're stories. All I want you to do is read it and critique it. And I think it caught the, caught the student off guard because he thought the teacher was going to say no so that they can get into it. He said, I don't care. If you show it to me, I'll, I'll give it a thumbs up. And he came in there with some fantastic four or something like that, but he, he had to read the story. And then he said, you know, and then to hear him talk about it critically, it was kind of, you know, it was kind of cool. And I, I've never seen anybody for a long time do that. Now, now they do it and people think they were, you know, super scholars, but this guy was, you know, high school junior doing this back in the day. So did, did you or your brother who, who you work with later on? Did y'all yeah. have comic book? Did you go through your comic book phase or how what, how did that seed get planted? No. Um, now here's where my older brother comes into play. Now my older brother, Michael, used to collect 
a mad magazine. And before he passed away, he had collected every issue. Now, because he had Mad Magazine, we had access to it, um, to, to read it. I liked it because it was funny, but the, my youngest brother liked it because of the artwork. And my other brother liked it. We all liked it. And then now from him, um, my youngest brother uh, at that time, David, but his name is Dawood now, um, he started collecting your traditional Marvel comics because they had a friend across the street, so they did that together. Um, I wasn't really a, a comic book collector. Um, if it was in the house, I'd read it, but I, you know, I didn't invest in it. I was still into um, uh, uh, just being myself a novel, and that's it. Every now and then, if they come out with a, a big, thick, illustrated magazine, they really didn't call them graphic novels. I don't re even remember that name but they were extended stories, then I could, okay, that, that's pretty good because it, it had a little more uh, meat to it. And so, um, but even still, my, my, my dad had, had us, what are you reading? What does it mean? What are you putting? In? Always think about what are you putting into your head and, and why are you putting it into your head? You know, so we had conversations with Dawood about comics and imagery, especially since he's an artist imagery and, and, and where they're projecting is always me. What is, what, is, what is the author trying to sell you on? Because every author is trying to sell you on something, you know? And so, you know, those, and, I, and I, I, I keep that in mind. I use that with my students all the time. And I said, you know, when you think about your, your musical artists or, you know, you, you buy swag and you put it on, you, you, you are representing that or people think, you're a part of it. So understand why you, why you did that. Yeah. Oh, so you had that as well as like that. Um, I'm assuming discussions about like your culture. And did y'all have those discussions about what you don't see in those comics versus your culture <laughs> and all that kind of stuff? And Yes. Well, I'll say with my brother, my dad did. He went through, he said, look at these characters. Well, this, um, although this is Dawood's story, you know, I was right there at the table when it happened. Um, my dad said, get all your comics. He said, now, what I want you to do is get to pull out the comics that have Black characters in it. And then he did. He said, now, look at the stacks. And, of course, one stack is, you know, like that, and the other stack is, you know. And he says, now, even look at the characters in there. Who's in, the, who's in the big stack? You know, people who were mighty and noble, da, da, da. and then what do you got over here? And he said, I'm not telling you what to do, but just know that. And see, for us, he, he did the same thing with, um, like Disney, when uh, you might remember the old, um, what if the world of Disney used to come on like Sunday nights or whatnot. He said, you ever notice They'll have some kids, they'll walk down the street and find a treasure map and go off on an adventure. There's never a kid that looks like you that goes off on an adventure. Why? It's not that it's not happening. Why do you think it doesn't happen? And you know, we're all like 10, 12, 15. <laughs> I don't know how this media machine works, but it makes you, it makes you think about it. Like, yeah, you know what? 
you're right, you're right. You know, why, why am I investing? He said, he said, sometimes you look at something and you know what it is and, you're, and you can be okay with it, but don't just consume stuff because someone's throwing it in front of you. You, you have, he was talking to all of us, you all have the, op, the uh, opportunity and the ability to, to create the kinds of things that you don't see. So you can sit there and you can say, well, what can you do? You're all talented. You can do something. And, and we, we've always worked together. We made movies as kids. Um, we made early comic books, the old, um, you know, the sheets of paper stapled together type comic books. Um, I wrote plays and we would just perform them on the front steps or in the back, you know, um, using the tape recorder. You know, not radio shows, but it's just you know audio audio shows. But that those early moments were just that's how we decided. Hey, we can create. Um, even those movies, like um, oh, those old Sinbad movies where you know you got the the giant creatures around. My brother, um, the brother between me and the youngest, he created those kinds of armatures. And we made our own stop motion movies. And this is back in 75, 74, just in our basement. You know, we doing things with special effects. My brother read up, how do you do it? And, and we did those things. I said, the only thing we didn't have was YouTube. Because we would have been, we probably would have been YouTube stars. Because yep. we were doing that kind of stuff. We just didn't have it. You know, the only thing we knew about us were our uh, neighbors. <laughs> neighbors and cousins. Neighbors and cousins. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, neighborhood stars, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what what advice would you give um, kids, but especially black boys and young black men, about um, like creativity and reading and and things like that and literacy? What advice do you have in terms of? First of all, is you know, reading is not, it shouldn't be a chore. There's, there's so much subject matter out there. You should be able to find something that you are interested in and reading about it, one, it gives you information. It can be just informational. How do I do something like this? But also, you know, you know reading biographies or autobiographies. How does somebody before you you know, and learn about their lives and you find out maybe their lives are not so much different than yours. Um, yeah, I'm just saying sometimes schools have a curriculum. We want you to read X, Y, and Z, and they just don't speak to you. But you're not bound by the school. I, I used to do a lot of reading out, you know, out in the streets. Even with my friends, we go, we go to the park. I might have a book with me, or I always have, I always have a notepad with me. And and they just knew, that was just part of my personality, that if guy stops doing something, he's writing something, that's his thing. You know, yeah, if there's a girl you want to talk to, ask guy, he'll write you a real quick love poem like that. And I'm like, okay, I, I'm pretty functional in the street. But, you know, I never felt uh, ridiculed. You know, if, if when people ridicule you, they, they, they probably really want to do it. Um, but, you know, you, you know, you have to decide this is what I want. But I think for the most part, 
if there's something that you're interested in or want to learn, you know, it doesn't have to be the book. It could be that we have so much more now. You have blogs, you have, you know, there's so many pieces of ways to get information away from just a talking head on something. Um, you know, go for it. You know, I think the thing with sometimes just watching a video um, um, or, oh, here's an example. Uh, they made uh, Monster, the movies on Netflix. And I, you know, and I've, I watched it. But here I am, I read the book, you know, work on the graphic novel. And I said, well, let me see how they do it in the movie. And now that, you know, I watch it, I said, I said, wow, they changed some things around. I said, it's kind of artistic. I said, but for me, it, it took away a bit of the punch. And then, of course, there's so much more that they have to, they have to leave it out. They're only, it's an hour and a half. But I was telling somebody, I said, there was so much about how him being incarcerated or locked up, how it affected his family and his little brother. But that's not in the, that's not in the Netflix movie because you know, they couldn't do it. But I said, that lends so much more weight to, to him being there. It's not just him, it, how, it's, how it's affecting everybody. So that's, I, I, I used to do this with my kids when they were younger. I said, if there was a movie they wanted to see and there was a book attached to it, I would say, I think you need to maybe read the book before we see the movie. And, you know, some movies we could do that. You know, it, it's difficult with Harry Potter and the movie's coming out this week, this weekend, you know, that's like 400 pages. They're not going to get through it. But other movies, I said, oh, there's a book. You know, there's a book. If it's shorter, I, I, I'd encourage them to, to read it. And that way when you come, you're like, oh, now I see what they left out or what they added. Um, it, it, I said, it's not, for, it's not a point to spoil the movie. But now you can really think, now you're thinking about it and you're like, what am I anticipating? And, you know, but you know, it's not, it's not for every movie, it's not. Yep. But it, 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 like, it, yeah, it is interesting too, that I like when students or kids really get into one or the other, when they do take the time to invest and they're like, oh man, the, you know, the book was this or the movie should have done this. Like, so, so at least, you know, I got you in to think about it. You know what I mean? And then you could go from there. So I have to set this up because somebody's going to talk about me later. I am late to Brother Man Comics. <laughs> I'm late. I YouTubed and was watching, like, there's a cult of, you know, like, Brother Man comic, you know, like, circles, and and I'm late to this, and I just, I apologize to y'all, but I'm, I'm here and I'm here. So I wanted to talk about this. Please talk about how um, Brother Man came about, how the comics came about, and... Uh, it, it, it came about as a byproduct of something else. My, my uh, two brothers, uh, Jason and Dawood, they had an airbrush shop, airbrushing clothes and stuff like that in New Jersey, in, in North Jersey. And I was living in Delaware at that time. And they were getting ready for, this is right in the 90s when those, the Black Expos just came out. They had missed the very first one. But it was, the next one was coming to... Um, to, to, to New York, to Manhattan. And so they said, oh, we're gonna get in on that one. So they're getting ready. Uh, to, so they were gonna get a booth and do airbrushing 
shirts at the expo, which would which would have been phenomenal. So they called me and they said, "Guy, can you come up? Can you help us create like an advertising piece?" And and so I'm like, you know, sure, I'll come out for the weekend. Um, and they said, because what we want to do is instead of making a flyer, because if you've been to any expos, garden shows, whatever, everyone hands out a flyer. They all go into whatever one bag the one place gave you. And by the end of the day, they're probably all in the trash. He said, what we can do is make a little four panel, four or eight panel comic strip that leads you back to our booth. Okay, so whatever it is, when you, when you get to the last square, it says, and don't forget, you know, it leads you back to whatever our booth number was. So that was, that's what was in my head driving up. But once I got there, they said, scrap that idea. I'm like, why? Uh, we got a better idea. What's that? Dawood, well, yeah, Dawood today in his book, in his sketchbook, he has the picture of Brother Man, but it was just a beat. It wasn't defined as brother man. It was just the character with the B on his chest. He says, do you think we could do something with this? And I was like, do something like what? He said, make a comic book. And I'm like, you know, ever, whatever my brothers want to do, I'm down to do it, okay? And especially if it's something like pretty creative. So, although I had never written a comic book, hadn't really looked at one in years, but I said, Sure. And what I did was I just leaned back on my theater background, writing scripts, because I said, that's what we got to do. We gotta write, I got to write a story and I got to write a script. Okay, so um, I think we did come up with Brother Man in the room. I mean, we're just throwing out names, Brother Man stuck. So I go back to Delaware. And I said, give me, I don't even know why I said this. I said, give me two weeks. But, but I I we had like a, you know, a, a very sketchy time frame that we had to work with because um, we we're guessing how long it would take to if we did it. How long take? How long do you think it would take to draw it? I, would, I guess this long. How long do you think it would take to get it printed? I don't know. Maybe this long. So I was on a two week time frame. So I go back. I buy a comic book on my way in. I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh, now I remember. You know, now I remember the format, and we determined it's going to be like uh, 24 pages. Um, and that, and why 24 pages? Because you know, paper-wise, you have 12 sheets and fold over. There's 24 pages. Bam, got it. So. I, I constructed this story and it was a part one and part two because I just said, okay, I remember most comic books hang with the, uh, the end with a cliffhanger and then it's resolved in book number two. I was just going the bare basics of what I just remember a comic book was. Um, and so from there, had to create, you know, characters and, and the environment. And, you know, it was all very raw and we put together the first book. Um, you know, as an artist, my brother did his thing. And, and during that time, we didn't have computers. And so I was just typing it and then uh, faxing the, the pages to him. Yeah, because I used the fax machine at work. And so I faxed it to him. So I never saw what anything looked like. Um, 
I, so then comes, I just hear, hey, Jason got them all printed up. They're, they're in these boxes. We have 20, at that time, we have 20,000 books in the apartment. We're getting ready for New York. So I drive up on that day, get to New York. I find out the booth. There's this long line. And I'm like, what are you doing? And my brother's, get over here. You got to start autographing. I'm like, for what? People want your autograph. And it, it just had not yet dawned on me. I'm like, all these people want a comic book? You know, he, even here I am, I, I, I put it together, but I didn't know it would have any meaning to anybody. But people were saying, I've never seen a comic book with, with, with Black characters, majority Black characters, put together by a young Black men, you know, all of that. So that came later, the understanding, the understanding of what it could mean came a little later. But I just had to get there and just sign my name. And I'm like, I don't even know if I have an autograph. Uh, <laughs> do I write my whole name, just my initial? And I was like, you know, I was just practicing. But it was, it was so that's how we we did it. And it just it was just a matter of taking whatever skills we had and, and working together and letting everybody do their part. You know, I, like I said, it was easy for me to do my thing because it's not like they were calling and say, hey, what, they might call and say. I have a question about page six. What, what word is that? It didn't come through. But for the most part, whatever I wanted to do, I did it. Uh, and now we have a part two. It was already ready. And, and it, it, you know, it, it turned out to be pretty uh, pretty successful for uh, for the guys from Philly. And the hustle game that y'all had to just to get it together and to sell it and it was, I was impressed. That was, I was, did it. Like there were no barriers. This is just going to get done. Well, yeah, well, there were barriers, but we had known, you know, sometimes you understand if this wall is in front of you, can you go this way? Can you go that way? Can you dig under it? Can you climb over it? Um, uh, most comic books at that time were distributed by these two major companies. And so we did what we thought everybody did. You, you submit it to them and see how many books they sell for you. But we said, well, we can't wait for them. So that's why we did the expos. Um, we said, well, let's go, where's our market? The black barbershops, beauty salons, black bookstores, um, the, your local community fairs. I mean, we're hitting all those, all those things. Um, 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 direct mail. Um, of course, you know, you kept some in the car with you wherever you went. And, um, and you went that way. And then you, here it comes, like here it comes back. And you see the distributors, how many of you guys moved? Three. And we moved 5,000. You know, so then you realize, you know what? I don't need them. You know, and this is all, once again, there's no internet. This is just out there. So there's, there's so many ways today that if somebody said, I want to create something and I want to do something, there's more tools. There's more tools today that you can do it. it it's, it's, the key is, you know, having the right group of people to work with and just saying, hey, we're going to do it. No one walks out the gate and you're Disney the next day. You gotta, you gotta think, you gotta think, you gotta go back and, and even read the, the autobiography of Walt Disney 
when all he had was just the one little character trying to push that, you know, and what do you do? You know, and you see that, you know, the first day Walt Disney drew Mickey Mouse, the next day he didn't have Disneyland. You see how many years did it take to get there? The challenge is the success, when the success is put in front of you, but you don't know it. It's hard to know what people are doing on their day one and their day two, and when, when it's not exciting, when it's boring, when it's, you know, I paid my rent, I got $30 left, I'm gonna commit $10 to it, you know, things like that. <laughs> yeah, but that's, but that's, that's the, but the interesting, after you did book one and book two, which was, in my mind, this was, we followed the template of, I think this is how you do it. If people see books three, from book three on, you can see a difference in story style, in art style, because I say, you know what? And once, once we, you know, you get comfortable, it's kind of like cooking, you know, I'm going to make pancakes and I've never made it before. You look at the back of the box and it says, do this. But once you get good with it, you say, I don't need the box. I'm going to do this, this, I'm going to, now I'm going to throw this in there and make it my own. And that's, that's, that's what we did. And that's what we try to encourage other people to do. Yeah. You model something, you see how it's done. And then you, then you, then you go back and make it your own, you know? So I, I was um, searching, you know, information and I saw at Emory University, there's this, a, this virtual brother man world, <laughs> which is amazing so what what are your hopes for that and 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 what do you, what do you, how, what do you think about that project i, I think the the the, uh, uh, the the site you talk about big city maps yes um, what's exciting about that is once again it shows well one somebody external to us saw the value the academic value of what we of what we put together and now they're taking what we have and applying another medium to it. Um, so for me, what that does is it, it keeps setting it up that now someone else might see that and say, you know what? I saw that. We can, we can do something like, I, I always wanted to, 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 to grow. Um, it's not necessarily, I want to go from book to film. But I wanted to grow from a medium to a medium. Like someone made me a clay, clay figures, clay face figures of the different characters. So they took the medium and brought it to another medium. Someone said they wanted to make a toy out of it. So it's, it's, it's from the medium to somewhere else. Um, now it's, it's archived at the National Historical African American Museum. So, it's in another dimension for another for another purpose. And so for me, that is like I said, at, at Clark Atlanta, at the um, oh, the other museum in Atlanta, it's it, it fails me, it's right downtown. Then I have uh, my works at Archive at Lincoln University. And then when people just I drew a picture of Brother Man and they sent it to you, it's they have now taken it and they have crafted it in, in their own way. Um, and so, you know, the music that comes along with, um, with Brother Man, I don't know if you've ever seen the, the, the book trailer, the Brother Man book trailer. 
If not, I'll send it to you uh, after we're done. I'll post it with it. <laughs> the music was done by my cousins. They're, they're, they're DJs up in, in Jersey City. But to, to now see, I, when I look at it, I see, okay, I wrote that part. Oh, my brother drew that. My cousins added that. It's like, that's, that's crazy, but you know, it, 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 it's, it's, it's organic in one way, but it, 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 it's just growing so differently um, today. So that's what, I, that's what I want from it. It's not necessarily, if it gets to a movie, it's just, it's going to another medium, which then can spring off other people. It, it's, I just want it always alive and, and doing something. So you wrote, you, I, I, and it was like perfect timing, I think, too, because the 90s Afrocentric thing and Jack mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Swing era and all that. So here y'all come with this. So, you know, it was perfect timing. So mm -hmm. now it looks like we're in a, another time where we have this kind of awakening of, of awareness of culture and, and the representation and influence. Are y'all gonna grow, brother man? You know, like y'all. So, like, what? Is, what is the future for brother man? No, absolutely. We, we, we continue to do that. Um, we have in that brother man world. Um, we have the Duke Denham uh, uh, detective series, um, and and what's it? I think what I'm doing. I'll send you some some links, and that is. There, there's uh, uh, not small novels, mystery novels that in the in the Brother Man comic books, uh, uh, Brother Man's boss at you know at the courthouse is Duke Denham. These are stories about him years ago when he was a private detective. So it goes it goes there. There's a TV show that the kids watch in Big City, but we've already extracted that out. Because I said that could be a cartoon going forward that way. It's called Far Out, Far Out Troopers. It's kind of, kind of like a space adventure. Um, then also, um, there's a series I'm working on. When we talk about the founders of Big City, we've, we've expected, uh, and I, I, now I do have a video on that. Um, I could send you that. It's, it's taking that leap even further back of. What, what, what kind of adventures would, would these people have in the founding of, of a civilization? And so we're, we're always expanding. Um, in fact, I, I just got the, 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 the idea for two more pieces that are better just inter, inter, interrelated, but they can go in so many different directions. So, and, and it's all because of what's happening, you know, over that that life period from, from when we first started Brother Man to, and at that time I was probably close to 30, and within 30 years, so much stuff has happened that now, okay, I'm, I'm going to bring that sensibility to, to the world. Okay, we look, I, we look forward to it. Uh, I'm really excited uh, about that. What does it feel like to be in the National Museum of African American History and Culture? What does that feel like? You know, it's, there's, there's two feelings. One, they, they, they tell us that, they, well, one, you can go to their website and go in the search bar and type in Brother Man. Then you can see all the stuff that's there. Um, and it's not just the books. There's, there's 
t-shirt, kinds of things that we created that kind of like went with it. Because I, in my closet, I had almost all the t-shirts that we made. I never, I would just get them and put them in the closet. And my favorite one, I said, because I sent it all to them, and they said, we'll make some selections and send them back and keep the ones they run. I said, I know which one they're going to keep. And it was my favorite one. Remember back in the 90s, the baseball shirts were very popular. That's the one they get. But now I know where it is. So it's kind of, that's what the exciting part is like, okay, I'm a part of this. Um, then there's a, a, a scarier part, which is, you know, I'm, a, I'm part of, uh, when you talk about African American history, I am a part of that. I mean, even though we all are, but now I'm, I'm, I'm a part of it in a different way where my stuff is in the same museum as George Clinton's spaceship or Michael Jackson's costumes, you know, or, you know, the scalpel by Charles Drew or, you know, the, you know, somebody who was marching for civil rights, their shoes. And my stuff is here too. And so it must mean, it must mean something. You know, most people say, oh, my stuff isn't, you know, anything. No, I, I think I, 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 I'm, I, I've come to the realization, it must mean something. But they, they said, let's put it in here. Because long after I'm gone, when someone asks a question, so what, what exactly was it? It, it's 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 there for them to to, to look at to, to laugh at to to copy whatever people do with the kind of information that they they get um the the, the next part is they they're, they're, they're you know covid probably slowed a lot of stuff down they're going to craft a the dis, the display of what it looks like you know when you now walk in and see it visually um that's probably my next big you know, the moment they say, and now I'm back in Philadelphia, I was just living in Virginia. Well, really didn't matter. But now I'm in Philly, that they say, yeah, you know, we, the moment they say, hey, you know, we put the stuff up, it's on the second floor. Man, we're going to be down there that next weekend. You know, <laughs> just, to, just to get down there and tell all the friends to go see it. Because the friends know, friends know that it's there, but it's, it's, it's not in front of them, you know. It's 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 up here in their heads, but I think if, if it, you know when they do that, however they display it, the fact that you can walk up to it and say, "There it is," you know, I don't even know how I would act. You know, it's 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 it's, it's, it's I understand its importance, and so that's why I want to make sure that whatever we do, it, it tries to match up to that that to that level. And the thing that, you know, like you started with Richard Wright and you were in the same space as Richard Wright. Yeah, yeah, you know, that, that, you know, you just say, I know I'm not Richard Wright, but man, we're, we're at the same table at this moment, you know, yep. for, for different reasons, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. So I want to pivot a little bit to Monster. Okay. So okay. How, how, you know, um, what was the influence behind Monster um, and, and putting that out there? Okay. Well, how it even started, um, I think when Monster came out, I was probably too old, you know. And so it's like, I didn't read it. It, it wasn't on my radar or anything. Um, trying to remember what year it came out, but by that time, I think I, I was out of the age group. 
of, of, of breeding. So when um, my brother had done work with uh, HarperCollins before on some other projects. So now, hey, we're gonna do, we got the idea, we're gonna do this uh, graphic novel. And they asked my brother, hey, would you like to do the artwork? And then he said, yeah, my brother can do the, the, the adapting part. And I said, okay. So he calls me and I said, hey, you know me, I'm like, sure, I'm down to do it. And once again, hmm, I've never taken anybody's work and adapted it, but you know, it's like it was tried. And at that time, Walter D. Myers was still alive. I think his health was failing, but he was still alive. Now, my brother has worked with Walter D. Myers before um, on another project, on at least two other projects. So he had already met him. Um, and I think they, they had a meeting. Um, and I, at that time, I was in, I think I was in, still in Virginia, whatever. I didn't get a chance to get to the meeting or whatever. And so I, I never got a chance to meet him. My only interaction with him was when I submitted my first couple of pages so we could see, hey, this is, this is how I see it, how it's going. I got, I got the word back, he liked it. I said, well, that's all I need. If he likes it, that's cool. But here's, here's the funny thing about it. Okay, so we're over at our cousin's house in, uh, in Harlem, and all our, my, all our aunts are over, and, and most of my aunts are all school teachers up in that Jersey area. Um, and so casually it comes up, oh, yeah, guess what? Me and uh, Dabu were working on this uh, uh, adaptation of this book called Monster, and they just went berserk. They're like, Monster by Walter Dean Myers? Because Walter Dean Myers lived in Harlem. He had been to my aunt's class. Uh, they used the book in, in class. And I'm like, you know, the way they talked about him, I was so glad that I didn't know about him when I first signed on, because I think I might've gotten intimidated. But by the time I talked to them, I think I was probably halfway through with my writing. And the way they talked about like, it's kind of like, if, if, if someone asked you to, to DJ a party, you're like, okay. And then someone said, no, it, you know what party is? It, it's Drake's party, then you get scared. But halfway through the party, you're already doing it. You're like, oh, wow, I didn't get it. It, it was, I didn't realize how big uh, 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 an author he was. And so now I knew, even though I knew I was gonna do a good job, uh, but, um, but now to know, okay, that's him and he's alive. I gotta make sure it's on point. Mm -hmm. And it just so happened, uh, he passed away before it was completed. So that's why I never got a chance to, to meet him um, for whatever reason. But um, yeah, it, it, once it was, I think I read that book like five times before I even got started. Cause I said, what, what am I trying to, you know, it, it's not a cut and paste. Okay. And then I said, what are, what are some of the challenges I'm going to have in this, in writing and adapting this? And one of the main ones was a lot of it takes place in a courtroom and there's just long passages of just one person talking. And I said, well, we certainly just can't draw a bubble and now that will cram all these words into this one word bubble. And so I said, you know, I gotta, I gotta, I have to, um, 
express what's being said, both by the person speaking, but by the listener and how the listener is interpreting what this person's saying, and then maybe using what they're saying and, and taking it out of the courtroom. So now it's kind of like the narrating and it's being replayed, but it, it might be replayed twice because someone else is gonna say, no, that's not exactly how it happened. Uh, you know, all those things. So it really was a, a almost a blank canvas for me to, to how do I wanna approach it? But um, so, so it, was, it was a great experience. And, and then once again, seeing the final product, I was like, wow, wow so, this is, so this is what that looks like. This is how it turns out. I'm very, very pleased with it. I look forward to the opportunity to do that. I'm a teacher and a librarian, but when I was in school, I was a reluctant reader. I did not. And you, you would show me a book cover like I didn't care what it was. I was like, oh, here we go. You know, but I saw Monster and I was like, that's what I needed. That was what I needed. That could have got me into reading. So I was you kind of opened the door, you know, like I saw I've seen an Octavia Butler and I was like, I was like this. So you kind of opened the door for that in terms of black literature too, you know, to, to create a way of differentiating and thinking right. differently and a kind of a gateway to like, look, this, this, these good stories are out there. Don't let the cover or the thickness of the book intimidate you yeah. start with this, you know? So I appreciate that so much, you know? There'll be another one of me's out there who will, <laughs> who will need it too, you know? Um, so I wanted to also talk about education because it kind of leads into that. Um, so you had the background in, of, of, you know, your dad being in higher ed and, and things like that. Um, as a professor and um, a, as a Black man, how do you, um, how did you find your space within higher ed and all that that entails, you know, that space? Yeah, well, you know, I, you know, I'm not so I'm not so much a professor. Although I've taught, I'm always I probably more, I've always been like on the administrative side, and but you know that has its own challenges. Yeah. Too. But I, I, one good advice from from my dad, from him being in in higher ed and being around folks like that. Um, I think two. Uh, you know, I found my my cadre of, of, of colleagues and and you, you need that um, to, to help you navigate certain things. You know, I, I hear everybody young people talking about having mentors. You know, I've had mentors almost my whole career. There's 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 always somebody who's ahead of you who can help you chart what might be coming next. Um, so when, you know, high school, of course, the influence my dad, but then I got to college and I connected with uh, the vice president of student affairs, which made me think about that field anyway. And so that's, that's the field that I went into. And then, you know, every, every school where I landed, there was always that more senior uh, staff member, uh, assistant vice president, you know, I'm looking up the ladder. And they say, hey, you know, you should, you should think about doing this, or here's an opportunity. Don't be afraid to be on this committee. You know, you know, all those things, or don't get on that committee, you know, those kinds of things. You know, when you when you go to conferences, you know, make time for this. 
Don't spend too much time doing it. You know, don't get the reputation, you know, being at the parties because the world is so small. We will always run into these same people. You know, all those little pieces of information um, really helped me move along. And then, of course, working with the students, you know, if they change, you know, almost every year, which makes me have to what's new? You know, I got to read the articles. What's the latest? Um, but you know, just also just talking to them, what's important? Um, you know, what are some of their needs? You know, dealing with their families, they come with a lot more concern. Well, I don't know if they came with a lot more concerns than maybe folks when I was in school, but people are talking about it more. You know, um, people coming from homes with better, better yes. food insecurities, housing insecurities, um, just bad family dynamics, um, you know, the academic preparation, um, you know, behavioral concerns, and now they're all, you know, thrown together you know, in a classroom and, you, and, you're, and you're trying to wonder, how come so-and-so is just not turning in their work? How come they're not coming to class? You know, and, but I went to a school where a teacher would knock on your door. Where were you? Yeah. But see, that, that's, that's, a, that's the small HBCU experience, okay? <laughs> but, but, but see, I don't have to knock on the door. I do a lot of emailing or I'll take a stroll down to the student center or I'll look up their schedule and say, oh, they're in some sort of class before they get to mine. I'm an interceptor. You know, if they're on a team, hey, coach, can I speak to so-and-so? I've done that so many times and, and, and say, you know, you haven't come to class. You know what? My next stop is to tell a coach, you're not coming to class, but I want you to succeed. If there's a problem, Let's figure it out. You don't have to figure it out by yourself. So, but I think as a as a as a black male in higher ed, you know, you, you tend to be you still tend to be a rarity. Um, I've worked at the community college. I work at HBCU, Department of the Navy, uh, the big research school, the the mid-sized Midwest school. Um, they're, they're all different, but in the end, it's students trying to succeed. And, um, and, and my role in trying to help them succeed. Yes, and that sphere of influence too, like mm -hmm. what can I do within this? So what I think one of the harder things is, you know, sometimes you can get frustrated because it's a whole institution and you're like, it's moving so slow. But I think one of the things that I'm learning um, is that, you know, it can be incremental and within your space. And that's just, right. you know, like right. just powerful, you know? Um, so, so then you end up in libraries. How does that happen? <laughs> so, uh, so I'm down at Bluefield State. I'm the dean of students at Bluefield State. And, you know, I just feel, you know, you know after, after a certain time, you just feel like, I think I'm, I want to do something else. Because, and, and, you know, the college, the, the college probably just like high school, elementary school, it's a big cycle. And you just know that, at, at this time of year, we're doing this. Summer, we're doing this. Fall, we do this. And here we go again. And I just, you know, after a while, you say, you know, I, I, I've done this now for seven years. I'm, I'm ready to do something else. And, you know, I just let my, some of my colleagues know, you know, because we just talk. I mean, how you like it. it. You know, it's cool. I can do this. I can do this again next year. But one of my colleagues, she told me about um, the position at the Free Library here in Philadelphia. 
And I never thought about leaving higher ed. And as many people I've talked to, I said, yeah, you're still transferable, but I wasn't taking my own advice. And, um, and she said, yeah, you could be the, uh, there's an opening for the chief diversity officer at the free library. And I was like, in Philly? She said, yeah. I said, wow, you must hang out in all, you know, the main branch and my local branch. And I said, well, I'm, I'm going to go for it. And, you know, I, I thought about because as I told them in my interview, and I tell them all the time, I said, I've always thought there are only two jobs here at the library. Uh, the person who checks out your book and the person that tells you to be quiet. I said, I didn't, but now that I'm here, there's so much more. There's, there's just a functional side versus the, 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 the traditional library side. And there's a community engagement side. So it's a, I think it's a great opportunity for people to consider. But I also told them this, I said, I've been going to career fairs since my junior year of high school. And then as a professional, I have coordinated and I've worked career fairs almost from the beginning of my time in higher ed, I've never seen the library as, as an option for people. And so like right now, you know, you know, when you look at the demographics, librarians tend to be white and women and then everybody else. And it's, 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 it's one of those things that people, you share that with people you know. So, you know, because I used to ask librarians, how did you get to be a library? How did you come to it? Well, my teacher told me, or my mom was a librarian, or my friend was a librarian. But it, it, it's, once again, it's one of those fields that if you don't know how people get there, there's no clues out there that, that tell you that. And that's part of one of, my, one of my goals to expand people's understanding that this is a viable option for you as a, as, a, as a professional, if you are an expert in a field, there's a place for you at a library. And I said, you, you create what you think is important and put it out there. You, you, you're the curator of it. And I said, if I had known about that years ago, who knows? I might have been a librarian. This might be my 20th year as a librarian. <laughs> and I'll be saying, it's time for me to do something new. But, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a great experience. Um, uh, now that we're getting more opportunity to move about the city, um, you know, getting into the, the, the visiting the different branches and meeting people, uh, discussing their concerns, you know, not just doing the job, but, you know, if my friend hadn't recommended it, it, it probably, one, it, it didn't come across my normal uh, uh, employment uh, uh, communications. I would look at the Chronicle, Higher Ed, and this came through like a monster, uh, uh, Indeed.com, or you know the the newspaper. And I just said, you know, if you're looking for jobs in Higher Ed, you just know where to look. There's there's key places to look. This wouldn't have been in that key place. Yep. So once again, not even to. If they put this in uh, higher ed, chief diversity officer, I would have, I would have saw it. Because I applied for some other positions, chief diversity officer, but they were all on the college campus. So 
it's a good thing that, that my friend pointed out to me. Yes, and I think you having an outsider perspective is very important because I think a lot of times we're librarians and the profession are so kind of stuck and narrow in this, this scope of what we see. You're seeing things that we don't, which I think is great. Also, when you think, so you're dealing with a lot of internal things, but when you look at minoritized communities, what can yes. be done, what, what should we be thinking about as librarians and library administrators to try to get more, you know, like BIPOC communities in into libraries and invested in libraries? What do you think? What are some of your I, ideas? I, you know, I, I think and I, and I see um, pockets of people doing these things. You, you understand what what the needs of your community are. I think that's to, to be in tune with that, I guess, first. And then finding what resources can you bring to your, your site or can your site bring to people, um, whether, whether it has to do with reading, whether it has to do with helping them you know, learn something. Here we, we do a lot with uh, jobs. We do a lot with people who have uh, home insecurities. Um, helping people if you want to start a business. So we have a lot of things that are not just what you would think about your traditional library. I'm going to get a book. It's, I think one of the coolest things is, um, you know how it is, you, uh, someone interviews you and they say, do you have a headshot? And you're like, oh, do I do it on my camera? Or do I pay the money to go to a professional sitting? We do it here at the library for free because we know for some people, if I can get over that hurdle, this might help me because I'm sending in a packet of information that might help, you know. So if I want to start a business, I don't know where to start. You come here, we'll do that. Um, my, my, my brother's having some, uh, you know, mental illness things. I don't know where to start. You can come here because we have a social worker on site who can say, hey, you might need to talk to this person or, or, or if they're here, let me talk to them. Maybe I can redirect them to the right place. So there's a lot of lot, lot of, 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 of things that we can do. But the key is understanding your, your, your clientele is who your, your patrons are and, and trying your best to, to, to meet those needs. I think it's uh, just a great fit for you to be there, just your whole journey um yeah. as an author and and everything so i think it'll be very beneficial and uh, i'm glad you're there and i just wanted to um say thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today and to have this information just for someone to um listen to one day and be like i could do that too so i oh think that God. that's amazing yeah. so if there's one last bit of advice you could give to our young men i know i asked you before but just one just thing you could tell them what would you say I would say one, don't be afraid of knowledge. You know, don't be afraid and don't be afraid to exhibit what you know. You know, some people say, you know, they'll call you a nerd or whatnot. It's, you know, the answer is so what? Because all that, that protein stuff will pass. Um, find out what you want to know. Uh, find out as much as you can. And don't be afraid to let people know because when people know what you know, then they want to they do things for you. Very good. Thank you so much for your time and okay. take care. And I look forward to what, what you guys do in the future. I'm going to see something probably by the end of the day. All right. Take care, sir. Thank you. All right, God. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.